Because we're old farts, we can go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm not that old, dude. It's not dinner yet, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, Pacific Coast time. I mean, it's already dark here. That's true. Uh, Let's sit down. It was kind of sad because we're we're in that, uh, what would we call it, the twilight era? Not the twilight zone, but the the, the twilight. Um, Because I was on with Elkins earlier today on the Elkins Hour. And he got a question about this kid. He's like, I'm planning on being a CPA in 2025. And then my mind immediately like, what the hell's wrong with this kid? Who forecasts that far away? That's like ages away that I look at my, do the math. I'm like, oh shit, that's seven years away. Shit. <laughs> and then I, and then I do an additional math because I was born in 75. So it's always quarter century. So, you know, 2000, I'm 25, 2025, I'll be 50. I'm like, fuck. Seven years from now, I'll be 50, and and we're officially old. You know, like, well, not old, but we're not young men no more. I mean, we're solid middle age by that time. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm pushing 50. I'm not there yet, but I'm almost. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then this won't be a gimmick no more. See, well, like 10 years ago, I was a young spry 30-something, and uh, I was ahead of my time. Now I'm just, oh, I'm a bitter old angry man with wisdom. Listen to me, kids. And now the... Now the edginess is gone because I'll have full gray hair by that time. I'll look like Steve Martin. And uh, uh, Aaron, I think you were kind of a bitter, bitter old man since you were like twenty-five. Uh no, it started way. It started. You don't know when it started. Not to get all Freud or anything on you like that, or whatever psychologists say. It uh, it started at three. <laughs> it started at three. <laughs> oh God! It was you that bad. Bastard. Whereas, like you know, what does a three-year-old want? What's what's a three? Because you ain't got no control, right? You know, you gotta you gotta live with your folks, and you can't just go off on your own. And what's what's the one thing a three-year-old gets to look forward to? Uh, I don't know, food. Well, okay, aside from the basic staples, although this uh, is related, parental attention. I don't know. No, no, no. Whatever. Like the the funnest thing. What's the funnest day? What's the what's the peak time of the year a three-year-old looks at? Uh, birthdays and Christmas. Christmas, right. So, because Christmas, birthdays a little less so, but Christmas was always like, oh, you know, I get the toys. That's why I want was the freaking toys. And Santa Claus, he's this great guy. He's going to come down. And, oh, we don't have a fireplace, but somehow he manages it. And um, I, and then that's when I'd get sweaters and pants and shit that your parents are supposed to buy you fucking anyway because they bred. You know, it's, it's like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. This is this is 101. This is what you got to do every day. Like, where's the toys? Where's the fun, man? They're like, yeah, Grandma, I got you a nice sweater. And I didn't know what the Great Depression was. But had I known what the Great Depression was, i say, what is this, the fucking Great Depression? As a smart-alecky three-year-old might say. Uh, and it was just, just year after year, just getting my hopes dashed with fucking basic staples of life for Christmas. And I know people had it way worse than me. But like when you're looking for like toys, like, oh my God, I can't wait. Oh, what this guy's, if I'm nice, he'll give me the thing on this list that I put in the mail that you, you said you mailed to the North Pole. I didn't ask for no fucking sweaters. Why am I getting fucking socks? What's this shit? So it started there. That's, we wouldn't exist today if I was given toys back in 1978. See? Well, well you know what? You sparked a memory. Huh? Um. You know, as poor as uh, we were, me and my mom, you know, it was like a single mother, divorced, you know, dad, uh, deadbeat dad kind of situation. Mm. Um, That was the one, you know, we lived like in this total shithole, this one bedroom apartment. I'm serious, like uh, roach infested, rodent infested, total shithole. 
New York City, I mean, like, fucking slum. Uh, but one thing my mother always did, for some reason, I got always got real toys when I was a kid. I don't know how she did it. Um, well, actually, I kind of do know. Um, my mother, my mother was a hairdresser, and she worked in a uh, 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 this very fancy uh, hotel on the Upper East Side that actually had a uh, beautician well, salon. salon inside it. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. you know, Upper East Side, Manhattan. Okay, you know, right. real, like there was actually. Um, uh, people that used to live in the hotel. I, don't ask me how that worked, but there was, you know, very, very well. It was just our, our clientele was a bunch of old, rich ladies, mostly mm-hmm. Jewish. But I think that's how I got the toys because she would talk, you know, she was this young woman and she talked, you know, she, everybody knew she was a single mom and that, you know, she was an immigrant and they were probably like, oh, this poor white trash woman or whatever. And I'm guessing that's how I got toys was that they, you know, made sure that, somehow I got toys. Maybe, you know, they bought them for my mother and, you know, I'd have to, I have to confront her. She'd probably be too proud to admit it. Yeah. She wouldn't say, Oh no, I don't know. Something. I don't. What, no. um, I mean, were they like, what I was going to say is, um, you, the, those hair salonists or the, the manicurists and all that, they develop a relationship with the regular clientele. They almost act as like kind of a, a secondary therapist of sorts. Uh, in a lot oh, of to- totally. My mother was, uh, like, a. Uh, practically a psychologist. I remember this one story when I was a, a kid. I don't know what was I maybe like in sixth grade, and she had a client, this woman whose um, grandson died, like you know, child very died, like died as an infant or whatever. And my mother used to do to make extra money. She used to go to people's houses and do their hair. This very wealthy woman, and and she was crying. I remember, and I went to Catholic school, and I remember my mother had her. You know, it was all teary eyed. She came back from doing an appointment with this woman like on a Sunday or something. And I remember my mother asked me this question and I was, you know, sixth grade, or maybe even younger. And she said, why is God so cruel that he would do this? Like, explain it to me. Like, as if I would have like, some yeah, fucking <laughs> insight to that, at, you know, at that age, you know, I mean, I, but I'll never forget that. It always stuck in my mind. And it was because my mother had developed this relationship to her. So it was like this, like, uh, unfortunately she spent too much time with this woman. I don't know how much, of her hair she did or they just sat around and cried mm-hmm. um but you know there was this kind of like transference that went on where the therapist actually got too close to the client or, you know kind of a situation but yeah well did were your toys like legit toys like you know they were no they were they were real like toys them? like i mean well it's kind of funny because you were talking about the clothes and like when i was because we weren't we weren't like always really but let's say like the first 10 years of my life it was it was pretty tough you know mm-hmm. And uh, I used to get, like, my clothes would always be, like, the funny-looking clothes. My mother would, like, shop at, like, Sears, you know what I mean, for clothes. You know, uh-huh. you get, like, the really fucked up weird shit and, you know, weird corduroy. You know, I looked, you know, weird, you know. Uh, oh, did you have to wear girls' clothes? Because I had to wear boys' clothes. Uh, you still wear boys' clothes. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, man, it just, how's it going? It just looks like that because I don't have any tits. Hey, you can hear me. Awesome. Yeah, you're coming through loud and clear. Um, no, I, I didn't wear girls clothes that i that i knew of uh well well, wouldn't but i mean it was common that uh parents would buy boys clothes for girls because they're bigger well my mom used to weird things like she would buy clothes that were like instead of like one size too big she'd buy them like three sizes too big uh we'll see i I, my mom didn't buy me boys clothes on purpose i got boys clothes because i got got hand-me-downs so sometimes i'd get like I, I had a cousin who was a year older than me and she had a brother and they were both like about a size bigger than me. So I'd get both of their clothes. 
So then what'd you do? You just grew into them then, John? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you're asking, you know, I'm an old man, so you're asking me to go. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. If I didn't, if they weren't worn out, I, I'd, I'd grow into them, you know. And like, same thing with the shoes. I remember, like, that was another thing with the shoes. She'd always buy me the, the shoes, like, a whole a whole full size too big. So I'd be, like, flopping around <laughs> like, like fucking uh, a clown in these shoes, you know. Um, I, I remember. Now, because you were, all right, if you're older than me, then, John. I'm wondering, do you remember what, let me get everything. We got Doc on, we got Ann on. What, what year in the sixties do you think fashion was the worst? That's a hard one to peg down, but I'd be really curious to figure out what year. I mean, it was all atrocious. Yeah. I mean, you know, who has the worst herpes boil? <laughs> but I'm Thank, trying thanks to for the visual, Aaron, really, seriously. No, Aaron. I I, I want to say it was 77, 78. Anyone going with me on that? Or you guys think a little earlier? Yeah, well, I, 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 would, I would go with 77, 78, because I remember the colors just getting horrendous around that time. Yeah. I just I, remember brown. Remember everything yeah, was brown. That's a brown avocado. Yeah, cords, too. What, what year you estimate there, Doc? I'd say about 77. I think, you know, okay. corduroy. Just It seems every pair of pants, you know, made a noise when you're walking with corduroy. God, I hated those things. I remember this hideous uh, color, like John <clears throat> hit it on the head, so did Ann, but it was brown, yellow, and orange. And uh. that color in plaid, you could just, it was just this hideous. I And it, I think it actually marred me as a kid a little bit, just how everything was so ugly. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember the, the the Beatles had like an album come out and they're all dressed in some LSD. Uh, uh, it was like a cartoon drawn LSD influence. It was yeah. just just horrible, just horrible. So this all gets back to fashion because uh, I remember we get hand me downs too. I don't think it could be Gen X and not get hand me downs, but the timing was so bad because I had an uncle, my uncle Jeff. God bless him, great man. Um, he was significantly younger than my dad. And so, and he was very small. He was a petite man. So they would give me, and I was the oldest in my generation of the family. So they would give me Uncle Jeff's hand-me-downs. So now we're talking 83, 84, and I'm getting these corduroy pants, these horrible orange, brown, ugly shirts and sweaters. Mm. And I'm, and they're giving, and it's all from circa 1977, 1978, when he was, you know, maybe a, a, a smaller guy and, and I could fit into it as, you know, like a, a a eight or nine year old and just, and then when middle school came around, thank God we got out of the hand-me-downs, but my gosh, that was just, Oh, it's just a, a horrible fashion. Just horrible. Yeah. When I was, when I was in junior high, I had a, I had a cousin who's, she was, she was living in, in Italy and her dad got a promotion. So she was buying all this weird shit, like silver loafers and, multicolored Italian pants and I'm in the middle of Wisconsin. Everybody's got a guest sweatshirt and guest jeans and I'm wearing like boys clothes and silver loafers. <laughs> you guys, you guys, any of you have the grandma who was hip and she'd wear like the 1970s Lisa Minnelli from New York with the sequins and it was gold and leopard print. Did anyone else have that horrible nightmare? Nah, my grandmas were both farmer type farmery clothing. Yeah, mine were well. Yeah. The thing about the hand-me-downs, I, I guess I'm lucky because my, you know, my my 
my parents were immigrants, so I didn't have any family here to get hand-me-downs from. <laughs> and I'm, no, I, I didn't mean as a wise. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm just laughing. Like, uh, you, you dodged that bullet. Like, you, 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 they, they couldn't force you to wear hand-me-downs because there was no one to get them from. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I, I actually, that's the one thing I never, you know, because because when Aaron was telling that story, I was, I was feeling bad for him because actually, I, I know that shirt that he's talking about, that pattern. Yeah, that brown. It, it was Aaron. That was popular in the in the mid seventies. That pattern. I know exactly. I'm aware. Yeah, my uncle Jeff had it when it was popular. <laughs> I got it years after. Oh my God. God. And get get this. My mother's Wisconsin accent is so atrocious that for years I thought they were actually called hammy downs. H a m m y d o w n s. I'm like, why are they making me wear ham clothes? You should get hammydowns.com and you could just sell. Just sell a new fashion line. The end of your hands. Hammy downs. Hammy downs. <laughs> Any of you guys have the uh, Michael Jackson look going? You know, with the pants with uh, 45 zippers and stuff like that? No, nah, we couldn't afford it. What, 83, 84, like thriller era? Yeah, my mom. So one day I came home from school, you know, so. I'm what, like maybe 12 at the time. And she has this black pair of Michael Jackson pants, but they're like the Kmart version and they're completely vinyl. So (laughs) I put these things on and wear them to school and literally I'm just sweating. I mean, these things are no, oh my God, it was horrible. I wore them once. And then the zippers were, I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And, um, oh God. And then she paired it up, I think like with a disco shirt like a satin this one had a big record on the back i mean i could have walked into any club anywhere and i'd have been i'd have been fine i mean it was oh my god that's i'm a i'm amazed that my friends you know didn't kick the hell out of me or say hey dude 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 never check here like take this shit and burn it when you get home <laughs> I, thankfully one thing i'll give the uh the younger generations, and I will say it started with the grunge movement in Gen X, is when they abandoned. I think we hit peak brand name where if you didn't have Nike high, t- I remember getting in fights because I had Velcro shoes from Kmart, not, not Kmart, Walmart. Um, I mean, it, it was like you had to tuck in your jeans, you had to roll your jeans, you had to have this kind of jeans, you had to have. I mean, it was, and here I, I like we didn't have necessarily the money. Uh, to buy brand name clothes. And if you, but I remember going to college, that all went away in about a year and a half. We're now, oh, okay, we're going to go to Ragstock. We're going to go to Goodwill and get it. And now, and I think it's being reinforced with the internet. So, like you were allowed to have different, oh, what would you call it? Not, not necessarily trends. They were trends, but they were signals, social, sociological signals. Like I'm going to wear this. Oh, we're all going to wear that. Okay, we're all going to signal tribalism. We're all kind of on the same page here. Right. We're all going to wear our hair this way. We're all going to have the feather bangs. We're all going to wear mullets. It'll all be really great in 1991. Uh, but now that the internet has been out there, you could kind of see fashion, car design, um, music. There has been no real evolution or definitive types of music or fashion, or you could even maybe say culture uh, since the internet has come along because it's a do cars look right now what is it 2018 let's go back to 1998 do the cars really look any different it's all bubbly space car right yeah yeah i mean my car is 11 years old and you know i've had people say 
Yeah, I mean, did you just get it and stuff like that? Because it does blend. I mean, it does blend in. So mm-hmm. yeah, there, there wasn't anything. You know, it wasn't like yeah, the GTOs of the seventies and stuff like that. So right, uh, and my I've been wearing jeans and boots this entire time for the past twenty years. I've never really changed my fashion at all. Am, am I correct? Fashion has not changed much. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I've I've got a lot of the stuff that I wore twenty years ago, and it's, I mean, I, I think it's still fashionable today. The only thing that's changed is that I can afford to have some of the things I want now. Yeah, I just you want anything now. Well, I just bought myself a, a pinstripe suit because I remember back in the eighties. Hold it, was, hold it, hold it! Didn't you just finish complaining about having to wear guys' clothing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lady suit. Oh, a lady suit. Okay, lady right. continue suit. on. Sorry. Yeah, because uh, in briefly in the 1980s, there was a fad for pinstripe pants, and I wanted a pair of pinstripe jeans really fucking bad. And I asked my mom for, for a pair, and she just went into this massive, like, two-day-long tantrum about sh- how she hadn't had new clothes since the 1970s. And you kids don't know what we've sacrificed for you, and you don't know what we've given up, given up since you were born, and how dare you ask for an expensive pair of pants. And just, like, two days' worth of screaming over these fucking pinstripe jeans. I was like, fine, fine. I'll put the boys' clothes back on. End your little boomer tantrum. Go sit back in your chair, suck on your Cheetos. Did you ask up. her? Did you ask her? Well, if things are so great, why'd you have kids who couldn't afford? Or was yes. that lost on her? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of lost on her. Actually, actually, my parents were Catholic, and then my mother, um, she couldn't seem to conceive, so they thought they were going to get away without having any kids. Ah. And I came around about the time, like my mother was like thirty-two when she had me. They thought they were going to get off scot-free. Oh, you ruined the fun, Anne. I you ruined, ruined the fun. The fun. Yep. Yeah, and all of a sudden they're like, "Shit, it's not going to abort itself," and I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, welcome to the Older Brother Podcast, Doc. Uh, you got to explain this to me. Um, how? Why you keep? You have an impressive wood pile. I you got what three cords in your basement? Yeah, well, three cords or nine face cords. So yeah, it's a hell of a lot of wood. In your basement? Yeah, yeah. It's it's in uh, the same room where the furnace is, and so it can catch fire. And you have a really big fire. Okay. I have insurance. I'm okay. good. All right. But uh, we we were more worried about your wife and children than your anyway. God. Yeah. I, no, it. Uh, I've I've done it for years, but actually, this was the I used to do it in a marathon. So I would work like sun up to sundown hauling this wood, and I mean. Now I'll be 47 and I'm like, there's no way. So I spread it out over a couple of weeks, but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, the Egyptians, if they could fast forward and knock on my door and, you know, like, can we tell Giza, but can we, can we take a look at this wood pile? Because how the hell did you get the, I'm like, I mean, and you know what it, Aaron, I mean, and, and I mean, when you build a, put a wood pile together, you've got to do it actually kind of piece by piece. So it doesn't get out of kilter. And like, if, doesn't get wobbly and you have to cross things so yeah you got there's a stacking method absolutely and it's very kind of peaceful actually and methodical to do that um so i it's almost a you know catharsis of of that that project but yeah it's already dry so i mean that's one thing you asked me like you have termites snakes rats raccoons climbing out of it and i'm like yeah it's not the chevy chase christmas scene with the squirrel jumping out but yeah i monitor it and and uh 
got the room for it, but uh, I don't. I don't have any place outside to put it. That's where the snakes are, and the garage is too small. So, well, what that's that's what confuses me is you don't have anywhere just to put like kind of because a lot of people will use their wood pile and it will double as a fence of sorts. Yeah. Well, see, the we have like we have a lot of grass snakes. So literally, like my neighbors, you know, they'll fire up the grill and then they the grills outside. They flip the lid off and there's like five snakes looking back at them. I mean, they're I when I'm mowing them. I mean, these things are just slithering all through the yard. So um, we, one of the neighbors hires a kid to like pick them up in a in a pillowcase, you know. But uh, so that's the thing is, I just don't want the wood pile to get. I'm, it would become a snake haven, you know. So that's that's the deal. I've got a I got a concrete slab on the side of the garage, like the perfect spot for it. But uh-huh. this is just easier. I don't know, and I feel good. I mean, I actually feel physically good doing it and you know i've got like i said there's something kind of where it relieves your mind when you're actually building and it's a start to finish project you know and oh, yeah no I, you want to come over here fall have, down you you want to have a you want some zen and buddha come on out here and stack my wood pile. I'll, I'll give you a splitter and you could just go to town if you want oh man yeah, you know, it was just so much in my life isn't like that. It doesn't have a clear ending or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 been cool. It, it's actually though, this was a lot. Like I looked at this and I was like, oh Christ! I mean, <laughs> you don't have any room in your basement. That's why I was asking. I'm like, ah, uh, you do laundry down there because otherwise it's all wood. Yeah, we've got some different room. It's it's. Not like my office where I'm at right now is finished, but nothing is heated down here. So once we get into January, you know, and I'm on the podcast, I'm like layered and layered and layered because it's probably like 60 down here. I mean, there's like nothing. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a typical Wisconsin basement. Not the house I grew up in with the bomb shelter and the, you know, the blast. Sure, sure. lying to the elderly. Right. Yeah. Telling them the Russians are attacking. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, just your typical <laughs> Wisconsin basement. It's and we're on a hill, so we're at the top, so we don't have any water. But I had I lit a fire tonight, and um, the smoke starts to push down in the neighborhood because there's there's rain coming in. Uh-huh. So like the rest of my neighbors are smoked out for like thirty minutes. Like I go outside and I'm like, oh, because I can I can tell it's not I don't have enough updraft. So as soon as it comes out, it just goes down into the valley. So, like, all the neighbors have got to hate me. There's got to be calls to 911. I'm picturing, like, this elitist, you know, the king on the hill and then the peasants down below. Oh, well, that's the doctor's house. They're a hell of a lot better down below. Yeah, they get smoke. Well, I I went out running one night, and I was like, God, who in the hell is burning? And then I get close to my house. I'm like, oh, shit, that's all coming from me. (laughs) So... God, I'm so I'm 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 gonna die of allergies here in Georgia if these folks don't stop burning their leaves. Oh, like burning these, their leaves in garbage, right, Ann? Yeah, like they've got they've got shit all over their lawn. They've got like you know rusted beer cans and toys and dead you know dead slaves all over the lawn. But they're 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 carefully collecting all the leaves and burning them all just so that there aren't any dead leaves around. I'm like, what is you folks? fetish with cleaning up the damn leaves and did you just say dead slaves <laughs> oh my goodness man yeah i just i just stuck that in yeah, there and this is this is the go. this is the clean podcast of uh, course too well, anyway uh cowardly the dog sends us two pounds and he says thoughts on underwater hamster objectivism cappy what 
Oh, you want me to? Oh, you don't know? You didn't hear no, about? No, no, I don't know. I've been. I got my own news stories that have that have pissed me off. So I mean, what what is is this going to make me happy or angry? Um, I'm not sure. Probably just curious and bewildered. All right, uh, yeah, it, go ahead. It was. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about Mister Medicare. Um, I know of him because only because Beckloff talks about him. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was doing one of his uh, streams where he was, you know, trolling somebody. And someone sent him a link to a guy that created um, a a hamster enclosure where they put like you know he he has an air compressor a compressor and he's powering it with like solar things and basically the hamsters are underwater but but I mean they're you know in their own um, help me out here Ann they're they're, they're they're in their own uh, aquarium aquarium. Yeah, like they're they're breathing their own. They're in air, like it's like an aquarium, a miniature aquarium. Oh, like a ter- terrarium. Is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. So. And uh, and I didn't. The guy has a whole website, and apparently it's been going on for years. And uh, Mr. Mediker, uh mentioned this guy, and actually, because someone just linked to it, like they you know gave him a super chat. He's going, "What the fuck?" And apparently, it's gone viral since then because Mr. Mediker paid attention to it. He was like, holy shit. And the guy's asking for Patreon money to support his underwater hamster. Just let me back up for a second. You guys didn't get my joke. They haven't cleaned their lawn since 1865, but they still got to burn all the leaves. Ah, okay. Now we got you. You get it? You get it? You yeah. get it? All right. Yeah. I, I was just worried when you said the, the slave thing. I was like, whoa, that, that's kind of, you know. No, I was, I was, I was joking. Like that's how long it's been since they've cleaned their lawn, except for gathering up and burning all these leaves every time a leaf falls from a tree. They've got to like smoke out the whole neighborhood. Underwater hamster objectivism. <laughs> hamster objectivism is, a, is an Ayn Rand. Uh, <laughs> Hampshire.blogspot.com. Yeah, that's Preston. it. Preston, I went on vacation recently, leaving a certain roommate in charge of feeding my hamsters. In retrospect, I should not have entrusted him with the task. I, nothing good is going to come of trying to have hamsters live below water. I arrived home to find them yeah. dead in their cages because he had forgotten about them. Because of this, I have had him evicted. I'll be holding off on buying new hamsters for a while to mourn the loss of George and Scott. They're very old, at least, and live full life. Still, it's an inferiorly senseless way for them to die. That's horrifying. He's got them under. He's got them under lakes. What? The what? Hell? Yeah. No, it's not. It's, no, it's not. not like in a terrarium. It's like he, what? He's got them buried underground. No, 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 no. He's got them in lakes. He okay. He's he's going to different sources of water and filming this underwater living. It's like a little submarine for hamsters. Oh I think they're having God. fun. <laughs> Oh I, I, I just want to know how much money this guy's making. Like, how much did he get on his Patreon? You know, I solve the world's problems of, like, poverty and, you know, worthless degrees and debt. But, you know, I want to see what this guy is getting. Uh, uh, that's his That's his PayPal. Does he have a? All right. So this guy went viral and he's got a GoFundMe account or something. Yeah, well, apparently. John- on the air, excuse me, online for a long time, but it's only recently that when Medicare picked him up because Medicare has this huge cult following, you know. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. So what? Why was I supposed to be excited? What? Why did we go down this rabbit hole here or this hamster uh, hole? Probably the dog sent us a super yeah. chat of two two British pounds. Oh. And okay. to know your thoughts on it. Oh, my thoughts on uh 
Well, I'm not against it because if you look at the uh, underwater hamster objectivism, but why does it call it objectivism? What does this have to do with politics? Um, <laughs> that, that's another rabbit hole we don't want to go down. <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, okay, can you give me the uh, Cliff Notes version of it? I'm not even sure, Aaron. I'm, I just, oh. I'm really not. I'm not trying to be flippant. I honestly, you know. Uh, okay. I'm just horrified by killing these little animals for. He's not, no. and he's not torturing yeah. them. Cheapers. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit sensitive because because somebody couldn't clean up an apartment. My poor elderly cat has to be transported via airplane twice and might die. So I'm oh. a little bit sensitive oh, about this. That thing hasn't died yet. She's a good cat. Damn it! it doesn't matter. Like if she's on life support, how old is your cat? She's 16 and she's diabetic. And uh, because my, my new landlord in, in LA, you know, there, there was a delay. And so she has to be transported to Georgia and then to LA instead of straight to LA. Oh, by the way, I can tell you where hold, I am. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Your cat isn't with you now? She is with me now. Oh. Okay. But I, I, I couldn't move straight to Georgia. I mean, I couldn't move to, straight to LA because. My the the apartment wasn't that I was supposed to move into was delayed for a month, and so oh. now you know this poor cat has to take two airplane rides instead of one as an elderly diabetic cat. So. Wait, wait, wait! You're flying your cat? Can't you drive or take a bus or something? Well, I can't drive, Aaron. I have, oh. I have, I, I don't, I don't know how to drive. Oh my goodness! I'm and you, so and, old. Well, no, but even if she could, like driving from Georgia to LA. That's... Yeah, with a cat, it's it's worse than the airplane. So, yeah. so I'm I'm a little I'm a little bit I'm a little bit PC and hypersensitive about animal torture this week. Well, this this wasn't animal torture. Somebody forgot to I don't know feed the hamsters, but the actual uh, underwater hamster cage looks to be purely scientific. If the hamsters live that long and full lives, I'm, I'm sure he's and the guy's mourning it. The guy's upset that uh, that the guy was shirking his duties and not looking over his hamsters i just i just think every once in a while i'm kind of like i'm kind of bored i got no more hobbies left and now here's a guy who is making living apparatuses underwater for hamsters okay so they didn't die because of the experiment they died because of neglect they died because of neglect yeah probably somebody forgot to feed them god damn it yeah uh but i still don't know what uh the point and purpose of having hamsters live underwater is uh we got another super chat. Aaron, what do you think of Lil Pump do a Clary test? For $2? No. <laughs> no. That's that's $25 minimum. Send a Clary test request to asshole consulting. $2. We had – I was on uh, – I always get a kick. We do the Elkins Hour. Um, and, you know, like these are – you assume like, ah, eh, for $3, Chad will tell you, you know, give you the right nudge in the right direction about your accounting career. Uh, you got a five dollar. Okay, he'll help you out with this little question. Here's a here's a a fifty cent donation. I have a question about filing between an LLC and an S corp corporation. <laughs> like he's gonna give three hours worth of consulting advice for for a bucket and a half. Yeah, buddy, you just paid two dollars to be told no. Yes, and he learned. That's uh, everybody learned. If if you try to be too cheap, it gets very expensive very fast. No, it's it's not even that. It's like two no. bucks. Come on. But Barbara, if you do have a very simple question, I'm sure we can answer it. But we're not doing the Clary test for two bucks. You yeah. send it twenty, and Aaron will do it. You know, he'll 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 dress up like a monkey for twenty bucks. Oh no. yeah. I had a guy 
in the uh, in the comments section. It's kind of funny because this guy has a hard on for me, um, and he he thinks I'm going bald, and he's just like, "Oh, I can see you're going bald. You got a bald spot for me. You got a bald." And I'm like, "What in God's name are you talking about? I'm not going bald. I'm fine." And so I'll pick on my haircut and anything, you know. Oh, did you just wake up and you? I bet you didn't even shower. I'm like, "Yep, didn't even shower. Nope, don't feel a pang of guilt." And so I like kind of, I like counter trolling him a little bit. So he's, he's mocking the haircut. I say, all right, for $300 to pay me to go to an actual barber, I'll go to a barber for my time and pay him and get a haircut. And he's like, didn't you have someone, Aaron, that thought you had like uh, some disease, like tuberculosis or something? <laughs> I mean, seriously, didn't someone post on one of the threads that they, they thought you weren't looking well and wanted they, to know? First of all, is- any of their damn business, but I mean, like one person's like, Oh my God. Yeah. No, there is, um, th- it's, uh, well, the, co- I can understand the tuberculosis cause of my cough, but that once again, going back to three years old, when I got this massive allergic reaction, cause I was forced to clean under my bed without a, without a broom. But that's another story for another time. I've always had this cough. So that much I can understand, but you just got to realize that your haters out there are going to go after the most extreme petty things uh, and I'm trying to remember because Sandman, uh, who I have a good rapport with, I don't know if you guys ever listened to the YouTube channel, Sandman, MGTOW guy. Uh, I don't I don't like him, Aaron. You don't like him personally or you don't like his stuff or what? Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't like his style. He's very, it's not, the, it's not the MGTOW thing. I don't like, I, just, I don't like his presentation. He's really. Yeah, I've, I've, I feel the same. I've seen a couple of his things and I was just like, wow, I can't pay attention to this. Well, he 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 not he kind of roboticizes his voice so he can remain anonymous. But uh, anyway, I don't have anything against him, and I would consider ourselves colleagues, uh, maybe not friends, but acquaintances. And um, I I tune into his his stuff every once in a while. But someone paid him to do a video on me, and uh, you can you can pretty much get away with anything you want with me because I as long as you're honest and and Sam and did this critique, but there was something about where. Either they thought I was gay or how I must try to live with myself and I must be conflicted on the inside and all <laughs> this, all this long shot speculation. Wow. And, oh, he might have this disease or maybe he's suffering from that mental disorder. And after a while, you got to look and say, OK, this is for my benefit. This is for my entertainment. You know, the the people out there when I present something that they disagree with and I prove I'm right and they're wrong, they got to come up with anything. So they grasp for straws and they come up with the weirdest freaking shit. Like, Oh, I, I think he's got that, that melanin disorder where he doesn't get enough melanin. He doesn't tan right. And it must be affecting his brain or something. Yeah. I think I've been diagnosed with every mental disorder there is sometimes by people who aren't even psychiatrists. Well, isn't that most people who do that? <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. <laughs> I mean, who, who really has actually been diagnosed by a psychiatrist? How many of you actually go, really go to real psychiatrists? You know? Oh, God, I haven't been to a psychologist. I, I went to a psychologist when I was five. No, a psychologist. No, yeah, a psychologist maybe, but psychiatrist actually going to a real psychiatrist is rare. A psychologist is any schmuck who got a degree in psychology. Okay, what's the say? The psychiatrist is an actual medical doctor, right? Yeah, they're, 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 they're the ones that talk to you for like five minutes and then jam pills down your throat. Psychologists okay. are the ones that sit there and talk to you about your childhood. 
Right, but psychiatrists, well, Anne's right about that, but in fairness, psychiatrists actually had to go to med school and do a residency and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like real training, you know. Right, right. The psychologist is somebody, anybody that got like a BA in psychology and they could hang a shingle out. Right. I was... I was listening to uh, the Great One podcast, <clears throat> which forewarning, it's it's not for everybody. It's uh, very harsh. But he was going through, um, you know what? I can pull it up here because this person deserves to be not outed, but she's an example of what is it? It's C-A-P-P-A, uh, national. <clears throat> and it was something else about, she was writing an article, but then he found her at this thing, Kappa, nationalkappa.org, Campus Advocacy and Prevention Professionals Association. So you go into this site, and it's just a, basically a, a pablum of gibberish and nonsense of basically give us money so violence doesn't happen on campuses. And so if I could find about Kappa, mission statement, wow, does, 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 does the safety doc have anything to say about that? Well, um, I actually do. Anyway, I had to. Uh, I had to compete. This is being recorded, and you got a professional career. So yeah, I'm just saying, I I had to complete this week the Cleary Act overview uh, through the university that I work with. So C L E R Y Act overview. Um, and the intention was uh, th- this. This came out of of a murder of um, of a of a college um, female who had been stalked. And while the training itself is very thorough, like I just think over the years, they've added more and more and more to it. And for example, you can go to university at any time and obtain reports on, um, you know, sexual assault and, and things like that, uh, that have occurred on campus uh, violence. But actually, I don't think anybody does that. So I think this has gotten to be so convoluted that it that it's actually kind of unraveled its purpose. Um, no one's gone back and is is you know eventually you got to just make sure you're simplifying things so people can access it. And this training, when I first took it a few years ago, you know, might have been ten or fifteen minutes. And you know, this was a good forty minutes. Um, it's all presented online, and then there's quiz questions afterwards. But I, you know, I think the point is. The con, you know, the the initially when this came out, but it's required. All university faculty have to take this and and you know pass this. But it's gotten again so many layers added to it, and for students, that it's just it, it's it's lost its original value. David, is this is this yet another of those school safety things that's based on an insufficient amount of data and faith? Um. It's hard to say. I mean, I part of it. I yeah. I mean, I like, well, yeah, don't put him on the spot here because if he if he says something bad about the test, he's got to. Uh, okay, sorry. I'm not saying anything. Right, and I appreciate that. That John, I think the I guess the point I'm trying to to make is that I think it's it's becoming very complicated. It's where even for you know, for an in- incoming freshman to try to access this data and to be informed, it's it's become real cumbersome. I mean, the, and they it just keeps growing. That's the thing with any of these initiatives. And I see this in school safety, too. Like, they just add more layers and more layers. And I just looked at a school safety plan 
that uh, was 87 pages long for like an evacuation, 87 pages. It was just released by a district that I, that I work with. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) this should be like 12 pages. Here's another district that just did theirs, you know, but, but everyone kind of, they, they think more is better and they try to be more comprehensive. And, and, and by that you, you, you just, it doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't function. It's just, yeah. Car manual. I mean, do what if we got a car manual? Here's your car. And by the way, you know, the manual is 455 pages long, volume one. <laughs> I, I hate to sound so uh, cynical, but uh, it's basically the, the rule or the law that charities are not for their intended purpose. They're there to enrich the people who participate in the charity. Um, and that's where I was going with this kappa.org. But I would say any kind of safety thing. Once you start laying on layers and things that are complicated, and then you need to hire contractors and professionals to put this together, and then they know buddies. This is just a money-making operation. Um, and that's why I was going originally with this national kappa.org. I couldn't find the woman. Uh, but getting back to the original point is this gal, you read through it, mental, absolutely mental. No real-world working experience. Never set foot in the real world. Is so untethered. Never even tethered in the first place. Never even visited the real <laughs> world. But now she's going to go and get her degree in counseling. Right. And um that's what I was trying to get at and, and ask is a, a psychiatrist. If you go to grad or, or med school, you can't fake that. There's some legit legitimacy there, but the hell, if I'm going to go talk to a psychologist or a counselor, these people are fucked. They're fucked in the head. And I don't believe for a second, they give a damn about their, their, uh, their uh, clientele or in the nonprofit case, or oh, who we're going to help out uh, uh, charity wise or victims or anything like that. This is purely a money-making operation and not to accuse doc of being in that world, but I'm sure he's, he's uh, uh, gone through or visited industries where the original mission statement has either been achieved or it's been so achieved so long ago that to look like they're busy doing something, they just add on all this unnecessary complexity and layers of bureaucratic bullshit, of which you can hide jobs and assistant reserve directors and deputy assistants and just just uh, put a bunch of pork in it to employ otherwise unemployable people. Yeah. Can I uh, speak to, uh, you know, sorry to change channels, but, you know, Doc and I, we have a similar background in uh, uh security and uh, safety. Um, but regarding like the stalking thing that the, the that you mentioned, one of the challenges I have with people making it overly cumbersome is like they take these courses you take, they take all the utility out of it. Like what is the use, useful information? Because back, back I, I worked as a security consultant and a private investigator, and I would have to deal with women that were, um, you know, being stalked and have to deal with them and like, you know, do threat assessments and understand like, you know, you know, there's, you, instead of like trying to psychoanalyze for you know 80 pages about what is this I, you have to be able to give practical advice to the the, the the victim or the client that you have instead of going into all this you know laborious nonsense about it so like what 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 actual practical steps do you do and what is overkill and what is not and you know that is what's being lost now so it, it gets to the point where they're just droning on and on and on but they're not there's no there's no real you know where's the beef kind of a thing and and all this uh all this fluff and all these writings you know what i mean yeah yeah i i absolutely you know know what you mean 
Um, you know, nothing as even, you know, walk during the daytime, walk with people. If you're going to go between a distance, you know, call a campus. Um, you know, I think, Aaron, you worked in helping people get around campus. Oh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that type six, of thing. 624 walk. Yep. You dialed the number 624 walk and we go walk yeah. to, your, to your car. So one of the things in, in this training, nothing like that was covered. I mean, it was it was more about here's why the act is in place. And then also here are the people you can report to on campus if you have concerns and, and it lists it, you know, person after person, people I, I've never even heard of. So, I mean, all of those things were covered, but you're right. Any practical of like on campus, we have this service, you know, and then also if you do, if you are receiving, yeah, you know, threatening emails or someone who's showing up outside, you know, uh, ex-boyfriend or girlfriend outside of your residence, here's what to do. That type of stuff, you're right, John, is lost. And there should actually be a class. I mean, I don't want to add it like a class, but I'm saying even like a practical knowledge class where people understand if they're being stalked on social media or if they are being, you know, just physical environment where how to stay safe, what is, there would be so much value in that. I mean, you could get that down within, you know, one, one day and, and just help people out so much. But yeah, it is, it's really, and as Aaron said, I mean, truly, it is the Title IX departments at universities, like down at UW-Madison, that have just become their own building. I mean, it is, it, and there are so many layers and so many layers, and it, it is all tied up in the bureaucracy and not in the practical knowledge. Well, yeah. that's, but see, not, again, not to sound <clears throat> horrible, but I truly believe this, and you, you wonder why I'm cynical, I hate, people would rather have people get raped and assaulted because that keeps them employed. Oh yeah. That's that I, I'm totally certain. And if, if people aren't getting raped, like not to break, but we did a damn good job at uh, the U of M police department. We, the campus was very safe. A lot of that was the security team we belonged to walking girls home late at night, commonsensical stuff. Uh, but damn it. If the feminist women's studies department didn't come out and Oh my God, there's a rapist behind every bush and there's a crisis and you got to da da da. It's like, we'll call six to four. No, no, no. Come to the rape prevention center. It's like, how is that going to the rape prevention center going to be any help you out at all than going to maybe the police department. We'd have like safety brochures calling the six, two, four walk. Uh, like you guys were saying, doc and John, here are practical measures you could take. Gosh, I even think during freshman orientation, uh, maybe one of the lieutenants went in and say, Hey, we got this six, two, four walk program. Please be aware da, 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 da. that's actual practical. Exactly. You got it, Aaron. That type of thing is, is what's needed. Yeah, well, if you're you're in Chicago and you actually get assaulted and the police won't do anything about it, even though you're paying ten percent sales tax, sometimes you just have to physically leave. Yeah, but it but this gets to to the point where again, I always like to push the argument and our discussions, not our particular discussions, but any discussion on politics beyond the geez, why is there so much bureaucracy or, or why, why don't, why don't um, women get it that they should major in STEM when it's like, no, 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 you don't understand it. They know exactly what they're doing. It's, it's a playing dumb so they can make more money. And I, a perfect example, um, again, to highlight the great one himself, you can go visit his site, sinlibsoch.com. Don't tell you, I didn't warn you, uh, but I enjoy it. Uh, he was reading an article at the, uh, Colorado Collegian, it's the local 
college newspaper where incompetent nobodies who will never achieve or amount to anything in journalism go and write for the school newspaper. And one of the uh, uh, female journalists, quote, heavy air quotes, uh, was talking about how two young gentlemen, or maybe it was four, four guys, four guys, engineering majors, they came up with a way, there was a chemical reaction where um, a woman, it was very clever, I think it was the lipstick, where there was a chemical in a woman's lipstick that if she took a sip with her drink, she didn't even have to take a sip. She would just have to dip her lips in it. And if the lipstick colored or the 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 side the rim of their their drink uh, turned a different color, that mean that it had been laced with Spanish fly or some other kind of sedative. Right. And you would think, wow, here's a very practical thing to help women not get taken advantage of, not get drugged, not get dragged out. Like this is a very clever. And these four guys now. Take a wild guess. Do you think the uh, female journalist was for or against this? You're telling me she was against it? I- I'm telling you she was against it. Now try to guess why. I know, I know, we know the reason why, because this would actually solve the problem, and then she there'd be no there'd be no reason to complain anymore or get more government funding. But try to guess the logic or the reasoning why this was bad. Well, we shouldn't, women shouldn't have to defend themselves. We should just be teaching men not to rape. You nailed it. Men, we're not, we're not focusing on what really, we should teach men not to rape. And in case you didn't know, rape is bad. Okay. All right. You don't, you don't rape. (laughs) And let me finish whether or not the 3% of psychopaths know that, or you could ever get through to them. I don't know. But the, the, what, what was astounding and very clear to me was that this woman was in cahoots with, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Big feminism, uh, big education, big victim. We could call it big victim industry, where they didn't want to actually lessen the number of rapes or assaults that didn't actually want to protect women. They wanted this victim thing to continue on and to handicap and tie both men and women's arms behind their back to prevent rape and prevent sexual assault with this very clever idea. And instead, what are we going to, we need to teach men not to rape. Well, how do we do that? Let me guess. We're going to have to hire some more women's studies professors to go do outreach campaigns and raise awareness. And it's all going to come off the taxpayers back. And that's where I, I just loathe and detest the Democrats and the left. Cause this is primarily where it's coming from, where they have no intention of helping it fill in the blank women, minorities, blacks, Hispanics, um, transgender, whatever. They have no intention. They only care to profit off of these people and 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 not even solve that. Especially, look, if you're if you're a minority, unfortunately, you, you're going to face poverty. But if you're a woman, it's fucking rape. It's fucking sexual assault. And feminists, the biggest hypocrites out there, would rather send innocent women out to get raped more because it's good for business. Yeah, actually, I am familiar with that story, Aaron. And if I remember correctly, it was actually nail polish, not lipstick. Nail polish. Where they, okay. where they could dip it in the drink and it would change color. And that would tell whether they, I think it was uh, GHB or what the, they used to call it the date rape drug. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. And you're absolutely right. They, they for, initially, these guys were held as like, oh, that's a, you know, a brilliant, ingenious idea. But then, uh, like you said, these women needed something else to be outraged about because, you know, they, they don't want, you know, and that's kind of the problem that I have, like, you know, and I'm not really in that business anymore. I mean, David still is, but, um, you know, I always had this very, uh, uh, I call it utilitarian view of things like, okay, how, don't give me the fluff, just, 
you know, how, how do I fix this? And that's how I always, you know, when I was dealing with my clients, I would, okay, uh, deal with the threat. I would, I would, uh, try to understand like, uh, you know, what his motivation is, who he is. I would, you know, get a background on the guy. And then there's basic things you could do. Like you, you could, uh, tell, uh, one of the things you would do is whether or not he would escalate. Um, and I, I guess you can, you can kind of figure out what that meant by that. And, uh, like a simple thing, like back in the day before everybody had cell phones, uh, one of the things that people, uh, one of these things that stalkers used to do would be like, uh, keep calling the girl's phone number and hanging up or, you know, calling her at all hours and things like that. And, uh, everybody would say, oh, just change your number. And I would always say, no, no, don't do that. Because if you change the number, that means that, uh, you, you, the, the guy's getting the affect he wants. He's, he's getting you to, to react to him. Mm-hmm. So I would say, no, you don't change the number. Cause then, so you, people would get an unlisted number and I worked as a PI too. So I used to be able to crack unlisted phone numbers and these sick fucks would actually hire, I wouldn't do it, but they would hire other people to find what the unlisted number is. And then, you know, call that, I'd say, no, keep that number. Uh, but you know, just have it, uh, either hook it up to an answering machine and like screen your calls or, uh, you get it, you get a, an additional number a second number that you only give out to your close friends, but you don't tell anybody. So as far as this fuck still knows, you still have that same number and you haven't reacted to them. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they go away. And then you'd be surprised how easy that was, how much, how many times that, that simple step worked. Say, so I, I just want to, I mean, I commend, I, I commend you, John, for sharing that. And that is, that's what we need. <laughs> that type of practical wisdom and you know it's 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 just lost. I mean, oh my God, it is so lost in well, just the safety world in general. I mean, some of this, most of the stuff I get asked to consult on, I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding! I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy, insane stuff. I mean, and things that you know, just with a little practical wisdom, in five minutes you could resolve. I mean, that's honestly where people are at. Um, but yeah, what you said, John, that's that's excellent. But who hears that? Who on campus, for example, hears that? And maybe it's not even, you know, like it's a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, but it, yeah, it, it could be, yes, you know, some some relative or if it's, you know, you're, you're trying to keep a number, um, you know, that, that someone's been going after you on, you know, payments or something like that. I'm just saying, you've just given great advice um, and I'm going to use that if you don't mind. I mean, that's something I'm going to write down here and, and carry forward, but nobody hears that. Nobody hears it. Doc, let me ask you this. I mean, you're in the field, you're in the profession and you're in this, uh, you've peered, but you're on the other side of the curtain. I'll never be allowed because they'll identify me in half a second and send the hounds after me. But I imagine there's gotta be some instances where you have a clear, obvious answer and you get in there and they're either so... Oh yeah, yeah. bureaucrat speak. I mean, doesn't that, isn't that frustrating yeah. or yeah. not? You, let me give you an example. At a meeting, I was hired by a district um, a couple, few years ago. Came in to the, this meeting and they had um, like twenty people they brought in, and, and they were trying to come up with um, the language in their safety. I don't know handbook or guide or whatever the hell they were going to put up by a door. Which, but it was like the staff wanted to know under what conditions they could fight back if there was an intruder with a gun, which probably isn't going to happen anyway. But uh, three hours into this meeting, okay, <laughs> staff are like, well, no, what 
we want to like what is the exact word like if the, okay so if they touch me but like if they touch me like they push me or like if they have the gun then i can because like they didn't want to be they're they're so terrified of like i'm going to be sued the district's not going to have my back or what if this person like you know if if i haul out my gun and kill them and they weren't intending to kill i mean it was so it's so but i'm sitting there like oh my god i i, I didn't even expect this that this would be an issue i thought we would fly by this I took the superintendent out in, out in the hallway and I said, dude, there's nothing I can do here. I'm like, I'm not goddamn magic, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to charge you for this day. I'm like, I don't, first of all, this group is way too big. And he's like, yeah, I know this is really embarrassing. I'm like, you've got a lot of work to do here. But literally people were, were saying, I want permission to defend myself and I'm not going to defend myself. I would, I would take the bullet because then at least I know the district is not going to say, oh, like you hit the, you know, you hit someone that came in with a gun and they, you broke their arm and now they're suing the district because you broke their, I mean, it's just this type of stuff. I'm like, you got to be kidding. This is where we're at. That type of logic that people get entrenched in. I mean, those are the exact scenarios that people are playing out. What I, if- I get a kick out of it. Like they think they're going to have time. Like, oh, it's scripted. Let yeah, me consult my outline in the flow yeah. chart. Oh, he has a gun, but he hasn't pulled the trigger. I'm allowed to do A, B, and C. Right. Can I throw the stapler? And what if I hit? I mean, it was. What if we, if I damage the teeth? I mean, I'm like, oh my god, are you? I'm. I am not embellishing the story at all. And I, I just, I just would go back to if you feel that your life or the lives of your students um, is at risk, you have the right to use whatever means you want for self defense right there but i mean it was all of these nitpicking scenarios like yeah you know well if i if i throw this or if i throw this or what if i throw you know or this or can i try to trip him or what if i kick i mean (laughs) i'm like screw it i can't i can't deal with this is unfixable it's unfixable oh yeah no after a while you you have self-respect and you're not going to bang your head i walked out and i didn't charge and i just tactfully you know left a room and 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 you know i don't you know but um it, it was sad. I mean, it was, it was so sad to see people just, the common sense was gone. You couldn't, you couldn't find common. You could say, I'll, you know, I'll give the next person a hundred dollar bill to throw one thing out that makes a little bit of common <laughs> sense. Nobody, nobody could even like throw the dart where it would get anywhere on the wall where the board is. Was, is this kind of what your book is about? Because I know you said you had the book, it's finished, but it's off to the publisher or something now. It's at stage yeah. 47 to 49. Right now. Working what? with my editor right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, the book is done, but it is being trimmed um, to the specifications of the publisher. Um, but no, no, it doesn't get into that so much as into the psychology behind the 9-11 um, Harbor Rescue 500,000 people. So it doesn't it doesn't go there. And honestly, like if, if you were to write stuff like, well, it, it has little pieces, but people wouldn't read it. Like parent, parents want fortification. That's what they want. They want to see bullards in front of schools and bulletproof glass and, you know, layered entries and stuff like that. But, and, and teachers don't want any common sense. Would you, uh, yeah, would that, you get that... fired if you uh, recommended people just homeschool their kids and that the public schools aren't needed anyway, would that be a, would that be a not to, or would... the thing is, you know, I don't, I don't do much with this anymore. I, the only thing I really work on is reporting systems. Um, 
if there is, you know, like a threat to harm, harm to self or other. So I help uh, with the reporting systems and make sure people have just got their induction stuff done. <laughs> That's almost all, all that I do right now is just making sure you have your trainings done. And then I do the expert witness. So I've kind of got out of the, the stuff where I'm doing any type of safety training because that that's a circus right now. I mean, that's a $3 billion industry. I had somebody like me on, on, or on, was following me on Twitter and then they were trying to get me to endorse this insane product that they had. And then they were kind of like making these posts, like they were aligning with some things that I was saying. And I'm like, dude, like your product's insane. Like I wouldn't back this thing, you know, through just like a direct message. So don't like tie me in that I'm pseudo affiliated with this because <laughs> this is nuts, man. But no, I, I, I don't do it. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. People are, that ship has sailed. It's it's so far gone. Well, when I uh, uh, when David was kind enough to have me on his channel, like we we talked about some of this stuff, uh, like the ridiculousness of it. Like for example, they are people actually selling schools bulletproof whiteboards. Yeah. To double to double as a bulletproof shield, hmm. and uh, you know, uh, David, you were you were talking about how uh, you know parents and teachers or whatever they want to see like these visual representations of security, but they don't actually. That doesn't mean that they uh, create security by any sense of the word. Like, do you remember the example we were talking about, about the uh, the football game? You know, you said, well, if yeah. someone, you know, the, the schools are always worried about these mass shootings. And you said, well, what about a football game? Right. You know I mean? that, that would be, you know, look, like, remember the joke we used about the, the you know, the, all the trees, you know, uh, on the sidelines from the, the football, the forest right next to the football field. But you'll see, you know, in Wisconsin, it's it's half of all the football fields in the high schools. Yeah, they, they butt up against the forest. Yeah. Right. So if anyone wanted to, you know, we, we you know, I used a joke about the, the Germans in World War Two. They went right around the, the yeah. uh, Mackinac line, you know, through the Ardennes, the forest, you know, it's the same thing. It, it's it's like the illusion of safety. You know, the 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 other thing um, and I did include this in the book. So the bullards, so the bullards are the the they come out of the concrete so you can't drive a car up and, and crash into a building or, you know, up on a on a bike path or something like that. But actually, the studies have shown that these things kill more bicyclists than a year in Maine. I, mean, <laughs> I think it was the state of Iowa. Like, I pulled out a study. And, I mean, you know, it's in, it was like three people on one trail were killed. And, like, two were during the day. They said it's it's really hard to – they put these things so damn close together. You, like, got to almost time it perfectly with your bike and then, of course, at night. But literally, like people, if you if you Google this, the first of all, the number of, of deaths prevented by bullards is virtually zero. I mean, well, isn't but, that hard? Not not to get technical, but isn't that kind of hard because they prevent someone from driving something up to destroy something? Well, well yeah, right. But but that's not how this works, though. Like, oh, all right, never mind. In the front, no one is driving through the front doors. And even in like Europe, they're just driving like, you know, mopeds and motorcycles weaving in and out of these. And everybody has to walk outside the bollards. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, if you took the, the number of deaths and maiming um, that are caused by, you know, to bicyclists, it's it, it just completely <laughs> is so, so much substantially more than what, you know, what these things are preventing. And, and bicyclists are like, you know, it's, it's just dangerous as hell right now. So, I mean, like people that are experienced, they're, they're going out and they're like to try to and they judge, you know, try to judge shooting the gap on these things without killing yourself. 
Yeah, but my question is this: like, bicyclists aren't human, right? Those cyclists <laughs> don't really count as human, you know, especially those long distance ones, right? I don't know. Are you on the left? I'm joking, Doc. I'm joking because you're no, a no, cyclist. No, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, no, Christ, I went through this on my bike. I went, and and I'm like, yeah, just you know, really super hyper paying attention and stuff like that, and you know, glad that I cleared it, but. Uh, it's one of these things again, where these this this hypothetical solution that that people can see creates a whole other layer of problems that wouldn't have existed. And then, like, so, like in in Wisconsin, when they put these things up in front of schools, sounds like a good idea, or maybe I don't know if to some people it sounds like a good idea, I guess. And then winter hits, and you can't shovel around the goddamn things, and snow blows, and then you get ice, and then they cast a shadow, so that area gets ice. So the bell rings, and 300 kids get out of school, and they walk just, you know, right on a goddamn skating rink, and they're all <laughs> flying around. And, I mean, it's so stupid. And that's exactly what it is. Don't Jeez. worry, Doc. Don't worry. I'm sure all the student councils and, and public administrators and the, the, the school systems, they have the right people in charge with their public administration degrees. They know exactly what they're doing. They'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll all be fine. Yeah. I don't think the students are asking for this, but yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't even want to get there. You're going to, man, what, what did you, you're going to say something, man? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Ann? Uh, it was a while ago. I forgot. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a new thought since then. Uh, I've heard you have more than one in an hour. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the editor that uh, the safety doc has been referring to, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty intimately familiar, familiar by now with the uh, silly bureaucratic redundancy of. Uh, as, as I was, as I was kind of prodding him for before, um, the, the part of the book that I'm kind of hammering away at now is um, schools will take, you know, very small sets of data and try to use them to generalize them to a solution to try and make the public happy and spend a lot of money, you know, because we we see stories on the news about a school shooting occurring, but as uh, we're trying to express via the book, happily, there are few enough school shootings that there's not really enough data. To, Thank God. <laughs> yeah. There's not really enough data to, to generalize the best way to stop a school shooting, but schools are spending money as though they had enough data anyway. Simply because it's so uh, uh, not sensationalized. I mean, it makes the news, obviously, and then it's at the forefront of every soccer mom. Yeah, and then they have to do something to make the moms happy. So you know, if if they can if they can turn a buck for their friends who have a consulting company or a sure. bollard company, so much the better. A bollard, co- the big bollard, big bollard <laughs> big industry. Bollard. This is great. Yeah, and invest in that. Uh, that. If you want to know where to put your money, don't put it in Bitcoin. Put it in those uh, buildings. <laughs> Big bollard. Or underwater hamsters. All right, underwater yeah, hamsters. that's another thing. Would, uh, uh, would any of this be solved, like, you know, the public school shootings, if, like, the mom stayed married and there was a father around? Or am I just being crazy? <laughs> no, that that's just, that's craziness. That's crazy shit. I, I'm sure Elliot Rogers was a perfectly well-balanced kid. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that's no, that that's just nonsense. It has nothing to do with what's going on in their home life and their parents, and you know the 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 individual situation with the children. That that, that has nothing to do with it. 
or the fact that they have to wear, you know, a brown plaid shirt from 1977. Yeah, how, how many kids has <laughs> thought about killing, but something stopped them? But- I, oh, no. Every, look, you're, you're a liar if you say, oh, I've never thought about going into school and bumping off all the assholes. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do that. Forget school. It doesn't even have to be school. It could be the street. But, I mean, yeah, there's this, <laughs> this little devil or shoulder angel that kind of kicks in and says, eh, maybe you don't want to do that. And. And you probably go to jail, and hey, how do you know they're really guilty? And can't you let it? I mean, there's there's a voice of reason that comes in there. But yeah, oh, there's there's times where it's like you know, I haven't gotten a lot of target practice on moving objects with my <laughs> AR-15. I, I wonder what if some people would be surprised if I showed up at the 20 year anniversary of my high school reunion. I, <laughs> no, Andy Nowicki wrote a book about that, by the way. Who? Uh, Andy Nowicki, a mutual yeah. friend of Ann and I. Yeah, I, I I saw him just last week. It was. Uh, oh, that's right. He lives. Oh, that's right. He's uh, lives uh, in that area. And, and anyway, I, I just want to plug his book because I, I really like Andy's work. I don't. I mean, I know him personally because I've interviewed. It's him. called It's called the Columbine Pilgrim, the particular. Yeah, book and, and you've read it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a great book, and it's 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 based on a guy that actually uh, became obsessed with the Columbine incident. You know, uh-huh. was that in two thousand? And ends up going back to his high school reunion. And I don't want to give away what happens, but uh, it, it's uh, and read the read it read the and it's really short read. It's it's more of a novella than a novel. I know Aunt, I know Aaron doesn't read, but and I'm sorry, I don't think it's an audio format. But yeah, uh, for the, for those of uh, out there who do read, I, I want to plug Andy's book. So I think he's a good guy and he's a great writer. I for some reason, and maybe this is the new <clears throat> source of income for me. I've had four people now. Asked me to review a book. It's like I couldn't escape the fourth grade. I'm still getting hunted down to do a book reports. And well, this time I get paid. And I'm like, you did book reports in the fourth grade? Yeah. Didn't you do book reports in the fourth grade? No. I mean, this wasn't War and Peace we were reading, but you know, the, the, no, the I mean, Kings. I, a lot of, I went to good schools and I did like a lot of book reports, but I don't think I did any in the fourth grade. But well, anyway, our teachers are Nazis and they made us read very boring books instead of let us go outside and play because reasons. So that short thing. Um, now I think I've escaped it. And um, for whatever reason, the past two weeks, I've had like four or five people say, hey, could you because I reviewed that um, uh, the crazy guy, um, the, the Unabomber's manifesto. So yeah. then that triggered for other people. Hey, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, look, I'm like, this is 183 pages. Are you nuts? Do you know how long it's going to take me to read this book? And so uh, I'm, I'm quoting them prices. And, and uh, what's great is for the most part, they don't pay it because it's very expensive. But then when these fuckers do pay, it's like, shit, now I got to read this book. And they're not even an audio book. They're all giving me books where there's no audio books. I have to like sit and, and not go anywhere and, and, and read books. Well, Eric, can I ask you a serious question? Yes. Yeah. How did you graduate college? <laughs> I, dude, what? it was forced and painful reading. It was I, I, I didn't say I, I didn't read books. I didn't like reading books. But if it was necessary, I would read the books. But you know what, John? Speaking as someone who really likes sitting down and like reading good novels, like an adventure book, it seems like everybody has less and less time to actually sit down and read books, even if they really like to and want to. You know, like, despite my best intentions, I wind up going, hey, guy, I guess I'm going to listen to a podcast because I have a choice between sitting and reading a book or going for a walk today so my head doesn't explode. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Anne. I appreciate you being correct and seeing the wisdom. Now, would you listen to an audio book over sitting down and reading a physical book? 
often these days, yes. Okay. All right. There you go. Just want to make sure I'm right. Because when Ann Sturzinger agrees with you, you know you're right. Because there's nothing <laughs> off with her whatsoever. Yeah, she gives great investment advice as well. Yes. And and fashion advice. Wear pinstripe suits. Yeah, I, you know, I, I actually would pay five dollars to see you in that suit. Uh, <laughs> it's sharp. But, man. No, I actually. I don't know. Maybe I'm a fucking freak, but I actually do enjoy reading. Well, as you know. Um, but yeah, I, I love reading. It's just you, you. You have to make choices, and and it it's, it it seems like people have less and less and less time. Well, keep in mind here forever to listen to. No, don't get me wrong. I have listened to some audiobooks. And it's usually because, like, like I'm multitasking kind of a thing. Um, but the amount of time it takes to listen to a book is like yeah. five times the amount of time it takes to read a book. That's true. And it, I mean, talk about you know you're talking about time, right? I mean, that's a trade off right there. You know? Yeah. And, but, but you can you can you can accelerate and read at one and a half or two times the speed. This is also true. And you can also be doing something else. Like right now, uh, when I go to Vegas, I got to drive my truck because I need a vehicle down in Vegas. And so I, I somewhat look forward to just downloading a ton of podcasts. Uh, hopefully, Doc's book will be out because that's one of the few books I, quote, want to read. Um, but it, it but it's nice just to sit. But the, the reason I was going to point out why I think people read less, especially as our age, is there's not – as we get older, there's less and less that's new under the sun. Now, Doc's book is going to be something different and interesting because it's new, so I'm probably going to listen to that. Podcasts, you're, you're pushing the boundaries of philosophy and, and thought or whatever its respective field is. Like I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts on um, uh, astronomy because new things are being discovered. Right. But I don't, I don't need to read uh, – what is it? Uh, the Adventures of Huck Finn. I don't need to read um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, because these lessons have been been done a million times, not to mention you were forced to read them in the fourth or fifth grade. Reading novels is supposed to be fun. Like that's that's where English teachers screwed everything up. They decided that certain books are important and you have to read them for the lesson. No, fiction is supposed to be fun. Oh it's my god! Something you do for shits and giggles. You remind me of the librarians. Like uh, in my town, you walk past the library. Not not shitting you. It's like summer fun library days. I'm like that is not fucking possible. It cannot be fun and summer and in the library. It is the you you cannot have fun at the library during summer. No kid is going to fall for that propaganda. Well, nobody nobody wants to sit at the library, but stories are fun. Like listening to a good story is fun. Well, I'll tell you, story is fun. Like people like stories. This this one story that I took in, it's a story of this big purple guy who's going after a gauntlet with some stones. And then there's this guy called Iron Man. And then there's this other guy called Captain America. And then uh, there's um, uh, Thor and all the, oh, wait, it's called a movie. I didn't have to read. Oh, that was great. Okay. never mind. <sighs> all right. Speaking of books, we got uh, sponsors. I'm going to bang them out real quick. Even though I said no sponsors, I'm going to, I have them written down here. Oh, uh, we have the great emu war. That's something I might actually read um, because it's about, Australia fighting an emu, like an invasive species, and how Australia lost, which I don't know how you lose against an emu. Yeah. Uh, that's they did. You got to read the book to find out. You got to read the book to find out. So um, I hope I hope the emu, I'm cheering for the emus in that one. No offense to the Australians, but I'm, I'm cheering for the emus on that. 
We have a blog called The Quintessentialist.blogspot.com. He's also the author of The Great Emu War. We have Orion'sColdFire.com. If you want to check that out, go ahead. And he has posts, but more importantly, he has some very good photography. So if you want to break from uh, reading or looking at uh, political crap, uh, you could go take a look at some pretty pictures and go, oh. Uh, AlaskaChaga.us, if you are looking to buy some tea, Made of mushroom, mushroom tea, and not the fun mushrooms, the mushrooms that has a little bit less caffeine is healthier, presumably, for you than coffee. Go to alaskachaga.us, order your tea there. All money, all proceeds go to conservative owners, Republican owners, uh, not uh, touchy-feely, hippy-dippy. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I drink tea. Have you tasted it? Is that any good? I don't know. what. Order it. Let, report back. Let us know what it's like. All right. Well, no, I might because I actually do drink tea, but I was just curious. Keep going. Yeah, I've had to take in some green tea to lower cholesterol because apparently it lowers cholesterol. Uh, and then uh, more recently, I have The Pence Principle, which is one of those books that I got paid to read through. Thankfully, it's a short book. Uh, but this is, uh, what is the subtitle? It's uh, Lessons Men Must Learn from Ford Kavanaugh. Uh, and basically, it is a good, it's a short read, but it's very good. And it's basically everything you boys have to do to inoculate yourself to prevent something like what happened to Kavanaugh happening for you. So preventing rape, uh, false rape accusations, preventing false sexual assault accusations. You mean, and you mean Brett Kavanaugh? Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. What did I say? Ford, Ford well, was the accuser. Ford's the accuser, yeah, but the subtitles Ford Kavanaugh, like included, uh, okay. it wasn't just Kavanaugh having fun drinking beer at the age of 18. It was some delusional grade A kuantahahaha um, deciding that she didn't want him to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, but it is uh, a fire and brimstone ripping apart of the likes of um, Christine Ford and that. But anyway, that Penn's principle, paperback and Kindle, same thing with the great emu war and the other two are websites. And then hopefully I'll get paid to read another book here, but uh, that's, uh, that's down the road. We got a super chat. So, uh, sure. What is it? Uh, tactical mail cop sends five dollars. Thank you, five dollars US. I once had a professor give me shit for listening to Plato's Republic on audio instead of reading his handout. What well, was it? A baby boomer professor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, probably. What? Uh, what are blind supposed people supposed to do? Is it all right if he took it in through Braille? What? What? How does it? How does it matter that you get the wisdom? Right. You're. You're right, Aaron. Well, I, I just – I wonder about some of these professors. Well, I don't. They're all crazy. They're all yeah, they're all foolish. No, I, I want to be clear. I have nothing against audiobooks, but, I, I mean, there are something – all right, let, let, me, let me give you a, a thing that, that, that bothers me, and this is just me being an old man. But I remember, like, when I was going to, going, to, going to work back in New York City, you know, I used to ride the A train. Those who live in New York know this. I used to – 207 Street stop all the way down to Broadway, Nass on Wall Street. And almost everybody used to have a book. We, we used to sit down, and I'm not. And I'm not. It wasn't Plato's Republic, or you know, the Odyssey of the Iliad, or some shit like that. It was like Tom Clancy, or you know, whatever. But everybody had a book. Everybody read. Now you look at the subway in New York. Everybody's fucking dicking around with their fucking iPhone or whatever, and you know, I don't know, taking selfies of the way to work. And you see this shit, right? You lived in Chicago, and you went. You had to take the L every day to work, so you saw that fucking nonsense. But you're probably old enough to remember when people read books when they went to work. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and that was that was good. Like you had your book. Like leave me alone. I'm reading my book. You had your little fucking paperback. You know, the, remember the paperback books? They even still make those anymore. I don't know. 
And yeah, um, you know, I, I, I got to apologize to Aaron for whatever you know, douchebag librarian or, or English teacher ruined this kind of fun for him forever. Like he's just so cynical about it. He can't enjoy it. He's got to have a movie. And I, I mean, what did she, what did she do to you? No, it's not she. It was a group of she's every English teacher. They pick boring books. They, it'd be a beautiful day outside. And I just, I, and honestly, I don't have an interest in reading. I don't now. And the other thing is also, I'm, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I'm very impatient. I don't no, we have, never noticed that. <laughs> I don't have time to sit there and for you to get to the point, oh, you mean the meaning of life is love. Oh, I'm glad I wasted 20 hours reading 800 pages to get to that in the great freaking Gatsby or whatever movie it was. So the movies just do a lot better for me. And and it's just because, I don't know, I like to, I'd rather be outside and playing and all that. Now, yes, um, a lot of it was English teachers who were just miserable women, just miserable, uh, choosing boring books. A lot of it was going to uh, parochial school where we had to read the Bible over and over and over. By the way, did you know that, not to ruin it for you, I don't want to ruin this book for you guys. Some of you may have heard of this book called Exodus. Now, I don't want to give away the ending, but the Jews <laughs> escape. Okay? No matter how many times you read that fucking book, the Jews always escape. It's not like a living, breathing document like the Constitution. Well, maybe they don't escape. To every freaking time that Red Sea parts, they make it through. up. Ah, Pharaoh, a little bit too slow. Didn't catch up to the Jews. They always make it in the end. Well, how many freaking times do I have to read? And so it was... And after a while, especially when you're in these formative years and your brain is forming, you 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 develop this distaste and hatred that doesn't go away. Same yeah. thing with with not wanting to have kids. Um, I I made a very you know going back to three years old John and Christmas to bring up that happy story again. I realized that with my brother and sister around, there'd be a lot more money for toys for me if they weren't there. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have my fucking Velcro shoes from Walmart if they weren't there. And the the I think I'm a big believer in epigenetics that it's beaten out of you. So yeah. things that would normally be fun or you guys take for happiness because maybe you had positive. I did not have positive. And, and it's, it's not like I'm missing or ruining or lamenting or hoping to go read sometime. It's just, you know, I want nothing because there's so much other fun stuff I'd rather be doing. Yeah, kind of like a... Kind of like my mom saw that if I weren't there, she'd have more clothes. Well, yeah, that's that's all. It's we're just mouths. But see, the difference is I didn't control whether my brother or sister were born into the world. This they, is true. Yeah, you know, I, true. I control yeah, whether that rat poisoning thing you did in their dinner on Thanksgiving. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> you tried to have control, but uh, the guy who sold you the rat poison was kind of a shyster. God darn it. I got that low-grade rat poison. All it did was make my brother throw up. It came back stronger than ever. God darn it. Well, you know, I, I guess the thing is about um, – uh, don't get me wrong. I love uh, uh, movies, by the way. It's just there are so few good movies. So, like, I, I can't stand any of, like, all these superhero – our mutual – I think uh, with the exception of David, I think we're all friends with, like, Beckloff and stuff like that. And Still yet until he says something about the – if he says something about Episcopalian – Lutheran Pentecostals. That's it. I'm done with that part. <laughs> See, the, the, the problem with movies and the reason why... Let John finish his original thought. All right. 
Uh, no, I was just going to say that um, I love film, but there's such few good films out there. And, and in this way, uh, Aaron and I have a lot in common. Like, for example, we both love the film Casablanca, and we can quote all the lines from it. I love, like, a lot of that old stuff. You know what I mean? But as far as, like, new film that comes out or or, or anything of that, that medium, uh, you know, television, stuff like that, I'm very, very selective. So, like, one, I like one out of every 500 things that's produced. Anyway, Anne, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying that um, one one thing that it, it kind of surprises me, and, and we're going back to you know the shitty treatment by his school English teachers. But the one thing that books have over movies is that they're not is that they're not made by committee. And John, I think part of the reason that you and I are sometimes disappointed by movies is because they're made by committee, and fifty different people get to have a say as to what happens in the final scene. As to where a book is like an author and maybe an editor make the decision yeah there you know that's an interesting point and i think there's kind of almost an intimacy that's created between the reader and uh the author and reading i don't mean like a sexual intimacy but i mean like a a connection and that's why uh i really liked it um uh, like uh these new new like authors like yourself that are not published by some you know big publishing house that's going to spend you know a million dollars pushing your book and putting you on talk shows to promote it is that when you can read their book and you can actually find them on social media and ask them questions like what did you mean when you did this or did that and stuff like that you know i picked your mind a few times about you know uh, lester yeah you know, or you know or, or andy you know in his books and stuff like that and i i like that kind of shit you know what i mean but you know maybe i'm a weirdo you know well i am a weirdo but you know. Wow, we knew we knew that, but but even if you could get access to the people who made a movie, you'd have to pick fifty different people's brains to find out like why, you know, Iron Man ended that way because fifty different people had to have a say in the project. Right. Yeah. Plus, they had like five different writers. Like you hear about these movies, like they've gone through like five different writers right. and they test screened it and they had they had to change it because oh, this offended this group or, you know, you know, I'm sure Aaron could talk about that, right. You know, this, this particular group was offended. So we had to cut that out, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And we created five different meaningless jobs just around one scene. Like, yeah. We had, we had to put a transsexual character story arc in there to, you know, any yeah. of you guys see um, the third Iron Man no. called, please let me have my balls back. That was the subtitle, but it was, that was the subtitle, right? There. That was the subtitle. Please let me have my balls back. But my God, it was, it was so bad because Iron Man one was a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. Iron Man two was a good solid sequel, but then Iron Man three, where his girlfriend saves him and she gets like these superpowers. He says, I'll destroy all my, all my Iron Man robots for you. And he does. And, and, and and I was just like, what, what? And you could tell like new writers had come in and said, there's not enough vagina. We need more vagina in this movie. Take his balls off, put them in that purse. All right, give it to Pepper Potts. That's our movie. It's brilliant. It's about love. So I can understand how the, well, of course, I don't think there was a book called Iron Man 3, Where's My <laughs> Vagina. I, I'm sure it was... But no, I, under, I understand it's like being a chef. Like when you write this book, you need one cook in the kitchen, one captain of the ship. Otherwise, your work of art will be somehow marred or not intended as it was to be. Yeah. Uh, mine is just the, the uh, maybe I don't like the nuance of the details so much that I don't develop that uh, intimacy relationship with the author. Uh, but although I can't wait, that'd be great if Doc's, when Doc's book comes out, 
it becomes a sensational hit like Fifty Shades of Grey. And all these women develop a truly intimate crush on Dr. David because he's he's a father figure. He talks about safety. He cares about the children. And then he's got to hire John. What was that security thing about stalkers you told me? How do we do it? I don't see that scenario playing out, but you know, maybe maybe you've got a different perspective on it, Anne. Yeah, in, instead of chasing the uh, snakes out of your wood pile, he's going to have to chase the board housewives out of your wood pile. Yeah. You'll have to fly my ass out there, and I'll have to stay up all night like dealing with that kind of shit. Yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, but anyway, there's a super chat from uh, uh, Rita Bradford sends ten dollars and just says thank you. Um, Holy shit! Thanks, Rita. Yeah, yeah. it's a girl sure. too. I mean, that was towards to me. Um, I don't know. <laughs> probably to Ann. Probably, probably saying, "God, you're putting up with all those boys." Poor, poor, poor Ann. So. Rita, who did you, who did you, who did you say thank you for? Was that for me or John or Doc or what? What did you? I think she means us all. Yeah. Oh, Ann, oh. that was so oh Unitarian. <laughs> I like, I like it when we get super chats where there's no like request or. Well, we're well not, we're Aaron, not you remember last week we had a few of those. Do you remember that? People were like yeah, send money and didn't say anything. They were just like send money, you know, like two dollars yeah. for no reason. All right. Yeah. If, if you guys want to send money, go right ahead. I and for some reason me and Chad had that today too. Like people were just throwing money at Chad. And I was like, Oh, all right. I guess this is kind of what it's like to be a stripper. You know, <laughs> you get money thrown ass for no damn reason whatsoever. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it's like that's why I, I think I'm gonna become a cam model. Um but but uh, Anne, I have a service card. Are you, are you working on a new fiction? Yeah, yeah. I'm writing a, I'm writing a novella about. Um, this happened 20 years ago, and I finally got my head around it enough to to, to fictionalize it. I had a, I had a couple of roommates 20 years ago when we were living in this punk house, and one of them drove the other one to suicide. Yeah. Oh. I, I was I was trying to learn to play the bass guitar, and one of them stole my bass guitar and pawned it to get enough heroin to get the nerve to hang himself. And I finally like processed that whole incident enough to like write a sort of like gruesomely comic novella about it. So is that coming out soon or what? Yeah, it's coming out as well as soon as I have a home and can. Like it's 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 kind of been you know around. Are you living in a in a hut? Well, how do you not have a home now? Are, are you in Georgia? You said. Yeah, keep it, keep it on the down low. But you got some shit going on there, you know. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've been chased here and there. I mean, I I, I actually had a mis. It was a kind of f- a funny misunderstanding with my, with my host where I was I was protecting his identity and he was protecting my identity because I I thought he was going to be embarrassed to have me here and he thought I was embarrassed to be here and. And, and it was this, like, uh, what do you call it? Oh, God, I can't remember the name of the short story. It was like an O. Henry moment of two people trying to protect each other, but nobody really gave a shit. Oh. Will you hire asshole consulting before you make any more major life decisions in your life, please? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm en route to, to L.A., but as soon as I get there and I get uh, some other work for hire finished, I'm going to finish up this novella. It's going to be called Brett and Leslie. Oh, okay, it's got a working title. But as far as Ann hiring anyone, when it comes to advice, uh, I'm not going to say anything more, but the bitch don't listen because I gave her some good security. <laughs> they never do. That's what, wait, wait, hang on. John, let me ask you this. Did you charge her or no? No. See, that's you, people you're, must, you're, ah, 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 the Aaron is talking. They have to suffer pain, John, 
People need to suffer pain, otherwise they don't listen. That's why I charge. If, if there's one rule I've learned from asshole consulting is you charge and you cause pain so they listen. Uh, okay, well, I don't, I don't disagree with that. That's probably right on point, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna charge and money for shit. I know, I know, because we like it. No, you're right. But Rita Bradford says uh, thank you to everybody, and uh, Cowardly Dog says uh, John looks like a young Russell Crowe for all these single ladies out there. Actually, I, I yeah, I kind of do actually. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, oh. actually, it was compared. Well, uh, more like I, I have like that kind of Russell Crowe build, you know. All right. Um, I do want to get this one article out of the way, then we'll all go free here. Uh, you guys all know the Kavanaugh-Ford bullshit, right? Going back 36 years. Uh, Have you guys heard of Doug Wardlow? No. Nope. No. This is uh, local. We have a um, uh, basically an anti-American running for uh, state attorney general or whatever the, the state's uh, yeah, Republican Attorney General Ken. So it's the Attorney General. Uh, the guy's name is Keith Ellison, um, and he had some uh, kind of like, uh, oh, who was the comedian that became our senator? Al Franken. Kind of like Al Franken. He had some gal accuse him of this. Uh, me and DT talked about it two weeks ago. Uh, we think the accusations are bullshit, but it brought up an interesting point that well, you you Democrats want to play by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. So Ellison who is pretty much a shoo-in because Minnesotans can't masturbate enough to people that hate them and want them dead. We're going to spill their sexual jizz over Keith Ellison and vote him in until this accusation, which I say is false, came out against him. Then all of a sudden his uh, opponent, Doug Wardlow, started pulling ahead in the polls. It looks like this guy is going to win it until today, 5 a.m., Republican Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow's, Wardlow's record of opposing some gay rights dates back years. From Ryan Durant, a former high school classmate, Wardlow's views aren't a question of policy, they're personal. Durant, John, you're going to love this. Durant remembers Wardlow as a high school bully who repeatedly harassed him for being gay and as the person who mocked him after he attempted suicide in the 10th grade. Both Durant and Wardlow had attended Egan High School and graduated in the class of, does anyone want to guess how far back they're going to go? 30 years. No, 1997, which is, okay. is it is 30 years ago, isn't it? Um, no. no tw 21 years ago. 21 years ago. So they're going to go back 21 years ago. Uh, in an account corroborated by several other students, so they went back to other high school students, Durant39 alleges that Wardlow, who is now 40, bullied him for years because of his sexual orientation. He said Wardlow made phallic remarks about him playing the flute in the band. <laughs> <laughs> this one time at band camp? Uh, Durant, I hope you're listening. You are a pussy. I Honest to God, I was bullied in school, but my God, you got the flute band. That, that old joke? That joke is haunting you 20-odd years later now? Uh, you said Wardlow called him derogatory terms like fag and fag. John, didn't we call everyone a fag or a faggot back in the 90s? Yes. I mean, you could be the straightest guy ever. You say, dude, stop being a fag, and there was no homosexual connotation. Yes. Uh, and then escalated to more personal insults, such as people like you should be shot. Among the classmates corroborating the account is a former friend of Wardlow's who said he has also participated in the bullying. 
Of course, the name is not given. Wardlow, in an email statement to the Pioneer Press, uh, denied ever doing anything remotely like the things alleged. Um, and just so you know, this article goes on for about five pages, uh, written by a guy called Ryan Faircloth and Dave Oreck. Um, this is in a now defunct company called the Pioneer Press. It was St. Paul's main newspaper, but um, it's just a website now. and It's a joke. Uh, but I just wanted to point out that this is, is, this, this, is getting, is this getting any traction in your local media? Yeah. 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 The, tw- the pioneer press is, it, it was like the main, it was one of, there's the Minneapolis and St. Paul. Minneapolis has the star and sickle or star tribune and uh, St. Paul has the pioneer press and um, the, the buildings have been shut down. They've been mothballed and now everyone's, Everyone is an unpaid journalist writing for prestige. And uh, as per all, I mean, we could look at David Oreck or these guys, but as per all journalism majors, they're just leftists promoting a, a propaganda. And uh, what they don't realize is just how ridiculous this looks where I was bullied and I was called names. And they're actually giving this guy who, who I'm, I'm going to point out is, is probably mentally ill if you were trying to kill, kill yourself in the 10th grade, I, I hope you wouldn't, but I, I don't believe this guy. I just don't. Um, I, I don't believe it just as, as long a 36 year accusation of, Oh, my boobies were felt or whatever the hell she, she, I, 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 but this is, this is standard. Now this is, this is not part of the Democrat playbook. They are going to go back and they're going to interview high school students. And if you ever called someone a fag back in 1993, Oh my God! You can't run for attorney general now. I can't run for anything, man. I couldn't run for dog catcher, man, because I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you. you, I, you're, you you're right Sorry. No, no. I'm just saying you're right on. And any, and just imagine. I mean, you know, when when we were growing up, I mean, you had a roll of film, and film cost money, and then to have it developed. So I mean, you only had a few photos. I mean, the kids today in the youth and in college and whatever, I mean, they're putting up a hundred photos a day of everything. So, I mean, to, to go back and to pick, it's going to be just a mess. I, I, I honestly, I'm going to link the Apu thing. You guys know how Apu is going to be removed from the Simpsons now. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this is, a, do, do I you want to tell people what Apu is for those? Oh, Apu, Apu, Napina Hasapetalon. He's a poo. He's uh, who doesn't know who a poo is. He's the the East Indian character in the Simpsons. Right, right. Well, I don't watch cartoons. I don't watch the oh. Simpsons. Okay. Well, anyway, I I think we could say an iconic American figure by now. He's been uh, however long the Simpsons has been running. A poo's been there. Well, they're taking a poo off the Simpsons because it's racist against East Indians. Um, and and uh, it is a move like that. And when Speedy Gonzalez, remember how they tried to get rid of Speedy Gonzalez because yep. it was disparaging the Latinos and the Latinos are coming like, dude, we like Speedy. What the hell? Um, this type of stuff that is going overboard. And now they're going to go back to high school and say, oh, they called me names in high school. The press and the Democrats have no clue what this looks like to the average American, Democrat or not, Republican or not. They're looking at us like, what are you, fucking Nazis? What the hell is wrong with you people? This this goes beyond politics. This is, you guys are just anti-fun and anti-American. 
You guys are the biggest bunch of professional victim whoring assholes and not cool ones like me. Genuine assholes who don't want anyone to have any fun. And my God, are you a bunch of elitist snobs to think somebody is without sin that you're going to go back to high school and find someone that didn't utter the word fag or faggot? And so now people are like, well, wait a minute. Uh, I did call someone a, a, a butt muncher uh, back in eighth grade or whatever, or a carpet muncher. I did call a woman a carpet girl. Carpet. I pulled Susie Perkins' hair in the fourth grade. Um, I copped a feel in the eighth grade. I pinched a girl in the ass in the 10th grade. Holy shit. I was in the dance. You guys remember the middle school dance where you'd waddle far away from each other? But if you got really close, maybe you put your hands in her back pockets. Anyone remember that? Uh, no, nobody ever asked me to dance. I snapped so. a bra and said we had our we had our uh, we used to call them socials, and uh, that was a big thing to do. Is like when you know you do the uh, the, the slow dance would be snap the chick's bra in the back. I didn't get. I would always go for the ass. Uh, you know, all three times that I made an attempt uh, <laughs> over my illustrious middle school and high school career. Anyway, uh, they they are making it illegal to be human. Yeah. They're making it that they want to come after you if you're not. And you know what? God bless you. Democrats go run right. You eliminate a poo. You eliminate Speedy Gonzalez. You call Pepe Le Pew a sexual harasser. Uh, you say, hey, copping a feel in the eighth grade was bad if the drunk, ugly woman made it up in her mind 36 years later. Uh, I, I Again, not the the this Pence principle really ought to be mentioned a little bit more because it, it, it goes into the insanity of how we got there, even though it was a short one. Uh, but by all means, and I predict this is going to help with the red wave. I could be wrong. It could be blue. I truthfully don't care which way it goes because I'm going to enjoy the decline regardless. But, I mean, if I had to put uh, money on it now. Someone asked about your predictions earlier on. In the, I don't know if you want to touch on that, your predictions for the midterms. I, I think it'll be a red wave, but don't quote me on it. Um, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. You know, it, I don't. I don't claim to be these pollsters of where you sit there at CNN with these fucking suits talk. Well, you see, they didn't bother. Ah, shut the fuck up. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, just looking at that uh, and knowing a couple of, I don't even want to call them moderate Democrats, but blue collar Democrats, you know, the three or four Democrats that still work for a living, you know, like yeah. the union guys. They're like. I don't think there's any of them left, actually, Aaron. Well, but they're, they're, they're all going in for the Republicans now. Yeah, they're voting Republican now because they're like, what do you mean we're taking away a poo? What do you mean I can't drunkenly hit on a girl at a bar? What in fucks? I mean, you're making it illegal. About the only Demo boys, the only males that the Democrats have left are the true believers, the true soy, uh, soy boys, uh, like this asshole. Uh, making the accusation, even if it's true, that even makes it worse. If it's true, I, he called me names. Like, oh my fucking god, really, really? So that's that's my prediction. I think that uh, the Republicans might pick up five seats in uh, in the House. Uh, um, I think they'll hold the Senate, maybe gain one. Uh, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a blue wave either, uh, because you, again, you have the. Every other institution cheering on uh, the Democrats. So I, we'll see. We'll see. Well, but, none of us here vote. I, well, I don't want to speak for David. I know Ann does, and I don't. And I vote. I vote. I, I do a rear guard action, man. I um, I want to delay as much as possible. I vote for myself. No, you don't, Ann. You're not even registered. <laughs> um, 
Carolina Dog asked, uh, John Steele, thoughts on James Whitey Bulger being killed today? I didn't know that. Uh, for those who don't know, James Whitey Bulger is the character Jack Nicholson was based on in Unforgiven. Jack Nicholson? In Remember Unforgiven? The movie, the movie Unforgiven. Uh, Clint Eastwood? Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no, not Unforgiven. I'm sorry. The Departed. I'm sorry. The Departed. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, the Departed with Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Jack Nicholson. And, uh, well, I had everybody in that movie. Um, Matt Damon, uh, uh, Baldwin guy. Uh, Baldwin uh, guy. <laughs> um, Martin Sheen, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, had everybody in there. Anyway, that, uh, Whitey Bulger was the uh, Irish mobster uh, that that was uh, the character that Jack Nicholson played was based on. And okay. I know that he died. Uh, interesting, and I'm guessing you're asking because he's Irish and East Coast, but he was Boston, I was New York. But anyway, it's pretty it. racist. And assuming you would know something about that, John. Yes, it is, and I'm highly offended now, and I have to go through my PTSD <laughs> counseling. Who put that there? So when he runs for office, we could say he assumed John was Irish and was a mobster. <laughs> that way, he can't run for office 30 years from now. Yeah, so that, that, that's that's where we are. Uh, all right. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap it up here because uh, we've been on for a while and uh, I got to go to the bathroom and uh, <laughs> I want to go to town and get some food. Uh, oh, I got some fan mail. You know what? Let's do that. I'll do that on the Clary podcast, which will be on Friday. We'll have that later. I'll get, knock that out. If you guys would comment, like, and subscribe, especially like the video. If you guys are uh, watching right now or if you're in the chat room, please do that. And also subscribe. I like to have a little bit of a safety buffer on the number of subscribers. As long as it's above 2,000, then we can keep having the super chats come in and the channel can be monetized. Share uh, the Older Brother podcast with people that you think would enjoy it as well. You have the option to donate or somehow financially help out the Older Brother podcast. You can do that by going to olderbrother.com slash donate, of which there are three options. One is a PayPal donation. That only costs... uh, a 3% commission, and you get nothing in exchange for it. You can become a Patreon uh, supporter, a link also there, of which I get 90% Patreon gets 10, but you also get nothing in exchange for that as well. Then there's the Amazon affiliate program where it does not cost you anything more. All you have to do is go to olderbrother.com slash donate, click on the Amazon logo, go buy stuff. And the prices is the same, but Amazon pays me a 6 to 7% commissioning cut for all the purchases. So if you get into the habit of doing that for all your Amazon purchases, it doesn't cost you any more than what you're going to spend anyway. And uh, you get to help out the, the hip, uh, help out the show. There's also a new page called manly shit. And that's just cool. Manly shit. I found on Amazon that some of you guys might like to buy. And then there is the email. If you'd like to send email, fan mail or links or anything else like that, go and email it to older at yahoo.com. And that's about it. Anything else, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, actually, I just want to throw something out there quick. So sure. just a thank you. And Aaron, I, I let you know about this, but, you know, the folks that take the time to to shoot the five-minute video and put it on YouTube of saying, it's the guys, okay? It's the guys <laughs> saying, here's how to change your headlight on your Buick. And <laughs> okay. for Christ's sakes, like the eight, and every one of them starts out there like, this is going to be one of the worst goddamn hours of your life. But I went through it. I'm going to get you through it. And they set the camera up and they're like, here's how to do this. Thank you. I mean, just thank you to the brotherhood of men 
that are doing that because whether it be that or replacing something on an air conditioner. Well, tell everybody the story behind it because it is pretty oh, funny. People don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so on my Buick, one of the you know headlight headlight burns out, and I'm not the first time I had to replace a light on this thing. So I take it apart, and I'm like, Jesus, this is like just you know. So then I you know I'm calling up AutoZone and O'Reilly's and stuff like that, and and I'm like, you guys got any pointers on this? You're like, oh yeah, that's a that's a real shitty you know issue there with that model. It's just the way it is, and. Um, so, you know, I got the light and uh, I actually got two lights because, you know, you replace them out in pairs. I went online and I found like eight videos and I, I found a couple where they're really useful. Like one guy had a piece of wood and he's like, if you use this and you, and you tap, you can start to loosen this up because um, you, you got to get your hand in there, which will work if you're about three years old and you can put your hand on there and get enough torque to turn this thing. And, uh, you know, the back where the light comes out. Um, so any, anyway, yeah, the videos, you know, I, I watched a few, took a few notes, went out, made sense. I did exactly, you know, just the brotherhood. And these are just people, you know, shooting with a, with a phone cam or something like that. I'll tell you one dude put like a soundtrack to his video, like a boop, a boop, a doop, a doop, a doop. I'm like, dude, not a goddamn soundtrack to a video on how to change a headlight. I'm like, I just need to hear. Here's the first thing I did. Second thing, this, this is going to suck. Like you're going to, you know, watch your knuckles on this. But they, I, one of my one of my cousins worked for GM as an engineer, and uh, he was telling me he's like, you know what though? He said the thing you got to remember when they're building the cars, you know, they're not built in sequence. It's kind of like we we're talking about an author writing a book. You know, you've got different departments, different people. So like the headlight might have been designed great, and then they so just and in Mexico. Yeah, well, well, yeah, and then they, something comes up, and they're like, oh shit, we got to move like the radiator forward two more inches, and then we got to move this battery compartment, and then the, whoever made the headlight gets fucked over, you know, their department because that's the least priority, and that's already done. So he's like, you know, you got to look at the whole thing, but I, it, but it worked out, you know, it's so many times, and I, I was just kind of observing. I mean, on these types of things, it really is guys taking the time and. And to helping out other guys, you know, just putting some videos up there, just appreciate it. Well, I, YouTube, I, YouTube has replaced many fathers, or or was the father you never had because, like, oh, hey, this guy knows how to fix this. My dad, all he knew how to do, not my personal dad saying, you know, yeah. all my dad knew how to do was do Excel spreadsheets. You know, and that's all he could teach me. But yeah, YouTube is is great for young men and old men alike. Yeah, so I mean, I, I just think it was it was a cool thing. Um, and you know, just, we, we talk about an evolution of technology and, and just some giving back and, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it helped me out. So I, I don't know what value that brings, but I, I think it is one of these things where technology and all of that can get painted in these really crazy ways, but still like, you know, like the brotherhood of men <laughs> is kind of what like, you know, these eight videos were, it was like, I went through this, it's going to suck, but here's some tips you know, hang in there, you get through it. And I'm like, yeah, got it. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to just uh, echo your exact sentiments. Cause I was doing some wiring in my house and I downloaded some, uh, not, I mean, watched some YouTube videos and made everything like really clear on, you know, on uh, what I was doing. And yeah, I got to say, yeah. And these guys, I don't think they're really getting anything out of it per se. No, no, nothing, nothing. And nothing. yeah, it's great that they do. I agree with you. Yeah. All strengths of the brotherhood, you know, What's what's left of it? Because I and, and with few generations, you know, men won't even have balls anymore. I uh, I respected those tradesmen and how they put together those videos. Like you know, how to 
how to clean a carburetor, how to do this. So I did, I'm like, well, my profession is finance and I did retirement planning and 11 easy steps or 11 minutes, retirement planning, another 11 minutes. And it's, and I thought, oh, I'm going to give this, you know, I'll give back in people. And I think it's got like maybe 10,000, if that. I'm like, God damn it. I just showed you how to retire dirt cheap in under 11 minutes. And like, no, they don't want to listen to that. But I think it's still out there if any of you are looking for that and want a, a quick tutorial on retirement planning. All right, Anne, uh, where can we find you? Anstersger.com or Amazon.com. All right, cool. Doc? safetyphd.com and john you put out a video with um not artistic layman you interviewed someone what was your video james yeah english james yeah it's a fun little a fun little thing we did uh you can find that at john Steele show on youtube and you can find me at john underscore steel 99 on twitter and then uh remember visit our other uh uh, co-hosts we have tjmartinell.com if you want to check out his podcast and his site at tjmartinell.com Michael Kingswood, you can find his books and his stuff over at noncommunistsciencefiction.com. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I think he's got that one. And then I think that's everybody. So, all right, ladies, gentlemen, thank you for being on the show and for listening. Always, thank you for all the super chats. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>